It's my girl. This is the Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise. We are very excited to have with us the King of Kings, Stephen mm-hmm. Biroff. Yes, he is an author, activist, psychologist. He's written best-selling books like Raising Girls, The New Manhood, and the newly updated Raising Boys for the 21st Century. Welcome back to the sesh, Steve. Hi, Annalise. Hi, Constance. Great to be with you again. Thank you. We've missed you. (laughs) You've updated Raising Boys. Why? What's different? What what was the need? Well, the first thing is that the first book was written a quarter of a century ago. And yes. um, it's a different century. And there's some really astonishing things that have been coming out in the research that can help parents a lot more. I, I don't know about you, but I think it's getting better to be a boy and better to raise a boy now. We're out of the bad old days. But there's, there's, would you agree with that? You, you, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely between us. Like I've got two boys. Con's about to have, what, six boys? No, I'm having my fifth boy. Oh, wow. I know, right? (laughs) I'm not even qualified to talk to you, too. That's fantastic. No, but we love that you're focusing on this because it used to be, you know, boys were just labelled naughty, you know, bury our feelings and boys don't cry and all that stuff. And people like you were the pioneers to say, no, hang on, that's not right. You know, boys, let's not shush our boys. Yes, I mean, there's a thousand different ways to be a boy. What you've got to do is, have, you know, if you're a mum or a dad, is say, well, what have we got? You know, have we got one of the high testosterone boys that's, that's going to need a lot of running around? And, or have we got one of the ones that's quite, you know, open-hearted? And, and maybe if we can balance them up a little bit, if, mm. if they're a bit too soft-hearted, how can we help them to be stronger? And if they're a bit too kind of buffy and, and macho, perhaps, you know, help them learn to communicate. So you, you should never just settle for what is there um, yep. because the wonderful thing about uh, brain plasticity is that you can, you can help your boy to be what, what the world needs today. Steve, one of the things that has really hit the headlines this week, uh, Dolly Everett, the 14-year-old girl who took her life earlier this year as a result of bullying, her parents have given the interview uh, in A Current Affair, and something her mum said was the school didn't have any processes for bullying in place and it failed in its duty of care. What are some of the things that schools can do? Bullies are actually pretty messed up. It's not like they like themselves or that they have they're just kind of power tripping it's often that um bullies are much more likely to have been hit at home or to be yelled at at home they're much more likely to have a problem dad who bullies and so very often it's a thing where they feel bad and so they want to make someone else feel bad and that gives them a kind of an internal relief like at least i'm i can beat someone else up and, and, and same with girls, because girls are very nasty in the ways that they bully and quite sneaky. It, what that means then is that the school has to get inside the head of that kid who's doing the bullying, because they may really need a lot of help. Well, Steve Bidoff, thank you so much for updating your book, Raising Boys, for the 21st century. It's so important. We love the work that you do. But stick around, because Steve Bidoff, later in the show, has some advice for Constance Hall. And if you or anyone you know are in crisis, please reach out to lifeline.org.au on 13 11 14. This is the Queen Sesh. Queen Vice, which is advice for queens. And usually it's Con and I giving advice, which uh, 
you know, has its moments. But we are so thrilled because we have our guru, author, psychologist. He's written best-selling books, Raising Girls, The New Manhood, and the newly updated Raising Boys for the 21st Century, Steve Bidoff. My current thing that's sort of keeping me up at night, and as my husband will tell you, I'm always looking for something to keep me up at night, is my daughter's socialising at school. This is a funny one, Steve, because I couldn't say she's being bullied because she's not actually, I mean, I think she's being bullied, but she's not, you know, physically being bullied. She's not in a situation that she can't get herself out of, but she's got become friends with someone who is very, very nasty. And she comes home every day and tells me the most horrific things that this girl has said to her about her, about me, about, you know, her brother. But my daughter seems to still want to hang out with her. And I'm trying to teach her how to choose friends with, you know, similar moral codes to us. And she's eight. She's nearly okay. nine. She's nine in a week. Yes. This is, yes, all this stuff happens between f- about five and ten. It's the big time of social learning. And in, in the book, um, 10 Things Girls Need Most that we talked about a couple of months ago. There are, there's the, 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 the friendship skills that you learn at that age and, and one of those is there are some people you just can't trust and or they haven't learned to be trustworthy yet. So mm-hmm. you can say, look, some, some of the kids at school, you know if you tell them a secret, they'll, they'll keep it and if you lend them your pencil box, they won't smash it up. Um, but there's, then there's kids that they haven't learned to be trustworthy yet. She's probably relating to the wrong kids and needs to sort of think of who would be a better friend. She might feel like I only deserve a rubbish friend, you know, and, and, and not feel like she's good enough for another kid that she'd like to be friends with. And so talk ab- about why she sticks with that one kid. Have you got any clues about that, Constance? Um, not really, because all of her other friends have always been fantastic. I mean, it is good for her to be learning about the different kinds of people in the world. And I just would hang in with her, Constance. It's like she's figuring something out. And if it takes us six months to figure out, well, you know, people have good and bad in them and, um, and, and also maybe practice with her some things to say, like, you know, I don't like it when you call when you do that. You know, you did this and that's not very friendly. So you wouldn't recommend that... going in heavy-handed and chain- removing her from the classroom? I wouldn't do that as a first step, no. But, but, I mean, if she's really, really miserable, but your daughter can learn to put up some boundaries and, and you know, put some bottom lines. You know, if you, if you call me names, I won't be your friend. Steve Bidoff, thank you so much for thank sharing you, your time with us. We love chatting to you. And I just feel calmer hearing your voice, oh, Steve. Too. What a great way to end the show, Con. <laughs> end the week on Steve Bidoff. Thank you so much, Steve. Thanks, Thank Steve. you. This is the Queen Sesh. I want to ask you, what would you say is your biggest, most hilarious, potentially parenting fail? I don't know of all time because you know, like you know, when you're trying to think about something like that, you just can't because mm. I've had so many. But um, <laughs> just last week, I was at my mum's house and my mum took my kids to the shop, and I thought, oh, sweet, I'll have a nap. You know, mm. I'm 35 weeks pregnant; I need to nap. And then she's gone for 15 minutes. I hear the kids banging on the door and I just thought, no, I'm not opening that door. Mum, you know, it's a 20 minute walk. She's going to be like somewhere. She'll be there behind somewhere. She'll be a couple of minutes away. You guys can just wait, be patient. And they're going, mum, let us in. And I was just like half asleep going, no. Mm. Anyway, you, you're, just, mom, you're just not believing their urgency. Yeah, I, everything's urgent with my kids. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> 
So then my mum finally gets to the door and she unlocks the door and she goes, Connie, what are you doing? Couldn't you hear them? And I was like, oh, give me a break, mum. And lo and behold, one of my children, I won't name names, themselves out the front of the house because oh they were trying to get in to go to the toilet. Because you were just living your and best I, nap And life. I was napping through said <laughs> <laughs> Worst mum ever. Like the kid was so upset. He was, I said he. <laughs> there were tears. It was awful. I felt really, really, really bad. It will not be happening again. Oh, well, that's, I think that's possibly worse than, than what this woman in the UK has done. <laughs> really? I didn't no. think it was that bad. Don't tell me I'm going to get DCP on. <laughs> no, you, you're definitely not. But so this woman in the UK, right, she shared a Facebook post and it went viral. Like these are the kind of stats, Con. You'll be envious. All right, are you ready? 380,000 likes and nearly 200,000 shares in this yeah, economy, in this Facebook economy. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so what it was... She shared two photos of her little girls and they're at the shops and she's written on the Facebook post. Wandered down to the market and Ava begged me for some smiley face pasta. Bought it, cooked it for the girls today. Thought it looked a bit odd, looked closely and it was penis pasta. So it was literally little shapes, like, you know, something you'd buy for a hen's night. What, where on earth <laughs> would you find in a normal supermarket? I, I think I've done something maybe worse than you and her. Okay, what? Okay, so recently I had, you know how my house is quite small, so I've got upstairs and downstairs. Yes. And so I just, the kids often just play upstairs. And When she said small, she means she doesn't have the usual three stories that most of us have. Oh, oh, oh. It's a duplex. So the kids play upstairs. And so I was downstairs with some of the mums and this other kid, she's three, she runs down my stairs and I look in her hand and she has a charger. Now, this isn't a phone charger. Oh, I knew no. exactly what this charged. So I Why raced. Why you keep your sexual <laughs> deviance hidden? <laughs> I raced upstairs and no joke, they'd been through all of my drawers, my nightstand, and on the floor, on the ground was one of my boudoir utensils just buzzing around for all to see. <laughs> Is is making pasta. <laughs> <laughs> big, big pasta. <laughs> this is the Queen Sesh. And Annalise, we've got this segment called What Does Your Partner Do That Ticks You Off? And I'm just wondering why, we, why it's not called What Doesn't Your Partner Do That Ticks You Off? <laughs> I know. How long we got? I know. What does Clarence do? What's his latest? I reckon one of the biggest ones we've overcome was spitting in the sink. Oh, that's I know. Rotten. Yes, we've moved on from that. So I really, I, you know, you've got to not sweat the small stuff. But that I wasn't, I was not prepared to not sweat over that. Mm. Um, just usual, you know, mundane, you know, leaving wet towels on, you know, beds. That's probably. I'd do that. Uh, you do that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so this uh, blogger mum on the run, she actually did this really funny post. It was a Laura, a, we love you, Laura. It was a public service announcement, and she asked people to post your photos of toilet paper rolls on the floor with the hashtag No Man Left Behind. So it was all different photos. You know, when no one changes the toilet roll, they leave the old one there. Mm -hmm. There I was even. <laughs> There was even one with like the toilet paper just plopped on top of the old roll, just 
just all so- kinds of lazy <laughs> toilet <laughs> etiquette. <laughs> so we asked our queens on our Facebook page, what does your partner do to tick you off? And on 131060, Karen from New Zealand, what does your partner do to tick you off? He's a slurper. He just cannot oh. eat or drink quietly. He's perfect. He's a perfect man and he just mm. cannot do it. And I, <laughs> I feel like stabbing him sometimes. Oh, I can't yeah. Six feet under it. for that. You wouldn't hear it if he was dead. <laughs> <laughs> and Anna from WA, what does your partner do to tick you off? Hey, girls. Um, well, he's the master of all things annoying, but the one thing that drives me absolutely insane is he will drink most of the liquid in a bottle. It could be juice, milk, anything. He will leave the tiniest little bit at the bottom and put the bottle back. Unacceptable behaviour. I reckon it's because they don't want to take it out to the recycling. I think it's intentional. Oh, yeah, it's calculated. Very. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but then you're excited. You know that there is a a bottle of your favourite juice or drink, whatever in the fridge, you go to pick it up and it is basically empty. It's not even a mouthful. It's just the dregs. It's just Mm. the dregs. You don't even want it. It's rank. It's a disease. It's got an ecosystem in there. (laughs) (laughs) And Con, I want to ask you, you've got a great man and it's a new relationship. We love Denzi. One of the things I love about Denzi is that he is a very cheap lover. He doesn't buy anything for himself. He doesn't need anything. He's just Mm. like the shirt on his back and he's out the door. Mm. But he steals all of my stuff. I'm talking necklaces, maternity tops, razors. (laughs) (laughs) Annalise, look at my feet. I am at work with no shoes on today because he took my thongs. And I said, see, I I put my thongs on. And as we were walking out of the car, he said, give me your shoes. I said, but I'm going to work. (laughs) And he said, but you're famous. You can get away with it. This is the Queen Sesh. And Annalise, last week I caught up with a friend whose husband has been having an affair and it was confronting and harrowing and sad and it made me want to write about it but it also made me want to read more about this sort of thing. I'm a sucker for a TED Talk. Mm. So I Googled some TED Talks about affairs and the different ways in which we handle it and, you know, the different ways in which we can can we move on. This particular friend doesn't want to move on and, you know, she's wanting this is her out, I'm pretty sure. So um, I did some research and I found this really cool TED Talk. Esther Perel, we've actually talked about her on the sesh before because she's an infidelity expert and she mentioned this idea. And if divorce carried all the shame, today... Choosing to stay when you can leave is the new shame. So Heather, she can't talk to her friends because she's afraid that they will judge her for still loving Nick. And everywhere she turns, she gets the same advice. Leave him. Throw the dog on the curb. And if the situation was reversed, Nick would be in the same situation. Staying is the new shame. The idea of staying is the new shame. It used to be back in the day when, you know, people didn't divorce and it wasn't a huge thing. People didn't talk about it and they stayed and they got on with it. 
but now it's just easy to leave and everyone's doing it. I think leaving is really difficult and, you know, we, what you need to understand about someone who's just been cheated on or found out about it is that they're still very much in love with their family life. So not mm. only, at, you know, and it's a shock and then ask, expecting them to leave as well, it's just, you know, it's, it's harrowing. What I've learned about affairs and I've been caught up in my fair share of this sort of drama is that a relationship without trust is almost like a prison sentence. It takes years to build trust back up again. And so, yeah, while I do agree that, you know, you can make it work and staying can is definitely possible, being in a relationship now with 100% trust, my husband says to me, I want to go up the coast and go surfing for a week and I don't have to bat an eyelid. Or I say, I'm going out for drinks with my brother, can you have the kids? And there's no nasty text messages, there's no suspicion, and I just think it's just easy, and life should be like that. It should be two people who live together but don't own each other and don't control each other, whereas when there's been an infidelity and you do decide to stay, that is what you end up, what you're facing. Yeah, you it's like a it hard not. road back. It's a really hard road back. It takes so long. It takes years to prove that you're not going to do it again or that they're not going to, you know. I, so I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a, these days I'm moving more towards the whole just leave. <laughs> really? So you you just, you, no Esther Perel, it's just leave, it's gone. No Esther, no. Life's too short to live like that, you know, to live without trust. I don't know, maybe I'm just bitter because I'm pregnant, but. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Queen Sesh. Con. New territory, new issues arising in sport, and we have been known to be called the sports sesh in the past. <laughs> but Hannah Mouncey, she is a transgender aspiring AFL player, and yes. she was blocked from registering for the 2017 AFL Women's League. And AKA that this was a queen. Yes. Yes. But she has appeared in headlines this week because she's she's actually come out and said that she's very upset about Chris Judd's comments that he made recently on a footy show, and he had this to say. Purely the level of testosterone that transgender women grow up with for 20-plus years puts them at a distinct advantage to put down muscle bulk, create power that the other female athletes don't have, and um, I think the AFL were right in not allowing Hannah to, to play in the AFL. And to chat this through with us, we are very honoured to have Jesse Oltham. He's from the Youth Pride Network, he was born female, now identifies as male. Jesse, what are your thoughts? Oh, I have so many thoughts. Hello. <laughs> well, it obviously negatively. Um, I mean that should that should be quite obvious, but the problem is is that this is not the first time this happened has happened to trans people in any regard, sport, music, wherever they're from. Quite often we see a lot of people who are not transgender and actually have no idea about that experience. Um, they feel like they have some kind of valid opinion about that process and then what should, what should happen after that. So, I mean, I'm not surprised by the comments that Chris Judd has made, but because this is honestly just another example of a time when people that are not trans are telling us whether or not we're valid and where... Whether you know, or not you should be, be offended. Places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, the problem I find with these types of comments is that Every time uh, anyone, Chris Judd, whoever makes comments like these, because, you know, this has been an issue in the news for a while now, and everything I've read about it, none of it is actually based on evidence. None of it is based on scientific fact. It takes a quick Google search to find out some actual, uh, some data to find some evidence about this. And 
what we know, if you if you actually look it up, is that there is actually everything that people are saying is wrong with Hannah playing is not true. Um, there is no advantage. There is no. Um, it's not unfair in any way because if you actually look at the process of it. To be a transgender person, you have to, well, obviously, to be a transgender person that is then going to compete in sport, you have to pass a, a sort of series of tests, and that would be you have to have been on uh, hormone replacement therapy for two years, and that's about roughly what they say a transition takes. So by the end of that two years, you've transitioned from male to female or female to male. But the problem is is that people then say, oh, well, this is an unfair advantage, this person's had testosterone in them you know they're full of testosterone still they're going to be stronger they're going to be bigger and that's actually completely wrong the the levels that trans women have after they've completed their two years of that transition period they maintain it with um hormones that whole time but they they lose all their testosterone they're no longer producing it they're blocking it um if anything they lose uh they lose muscle mass they lose bone density uh there are there are literally science I would have thought it throws your body around a lot. Mm. Yeah, it it makes it harder. Honestly, you have lower levels than most cisgendered women have of testosterone because everyone has a bit of testosterone in them. Mm. Don't come into this type of space and spout off, particularly someone like Chris Judd, when you've got a voice and you've got a platform to talk, don't talk about issues that you actually have no understanding of. Don't talk about issues that you've never bothered to do any research about because it literally causes harm to our community when you do stuff like this because you're not basing your opinion on fact and the science is on our side. Well, you know, I've I've learnt a lot from talking to you today, Jesse, particularly around the science and the hormone balance and I think um, and I hope a lot of people who are listening have as well and Mm. I'm sure it will change. This is just a... It's a it's a new it's a new ground that we're trying to break new territory and um, yeah absolutely and I Hannah's a pioneer some, you know yep she is and I also think we need some more support from some previous former AFL players some of you can just stand up and just yeah. do what's right and you know absolutely mm, well we are certainly an ally to Hannah Yas Queen we've got you back Yas Queens Queens all round <laughs> thanks for joining <laughs> us Jesse. Thanks, oh, my Jess. pleasure. Thank you for having me. And get involved. Let us know your thoughts. Search The Queen Sesh on Facebook. This is The Queen Sesh.